All right, here we are. B- before you start, Michael, I just want to say I like the real NBA, fantasy NBA. Hybrid. A hybrid, yeah. It has a nice ring to it and a nice rhythm to it. Everything gets an adjective and a noun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a writer. NBA Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Kyle, Jalen, and Michael. We are here in the middle of a pandemic which goes on and on and yet we have more basketball to come. I'm at once extremely excited to have more basketball to watch, to have all of these rumors to talk about, and to know there will be games starting on December 22nd. I'm also at the same time want to provide a little bit of the other side of this because sometimes I look at this and I think, you know, maybe we shouldn't be playing basketball in this setting for a variety of reasons, including that this seems to normalize life for some people who are continuing to contract COVID out there in the United States. doesn't need to be like that. Uh, I wonder if us watching sports and all of the sports continuing are somehow contributing to that. But I love basketball enough that I'm just going to keep talking about it anyway. So here we are one week before the draft. There have been a lot of rumors in this draft. There has for a long time been a sort of consensus three at the top of the draft. LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, and where'd it go? Wiseman. Um the consensus top three. There's a lot of conflicting information out there. There are a lot of rumors, uh, especially about LaMelo. Uh, What do you guys think? LaMelo worked out for Minnesota yesterday, and then today he worked out for the Warriors, Hornets, and Pistons. Where's he going to go? We're talking about LaMelo. The question here is really, is Detroit going to trade up to get LaMelo or not? And that is the question that I care about, and that's the question I'm curious about whether Michael cares about, and that's the question I'm honestly LaMelo, interested if Jalen might think is. my wish. LaMelo is my wish for the Pistons. I hope and hope it's true. He has been training with um, – I can't remember if I have the name right – Jermaine Jackson. Is that the right name? In Detroit, in the Detroit area – around the Pistons that's sort of given a little bit of uh, oomph to this rumor that that they might still be trying to trade up to get him. So I would love to see that. My fallback plan is Halliburton. I love Halliburton. He looks great to me. I would love to see him running the team. He could, um, you know, there's suggestion he could go four um, to, uh, uh, who was it, the Bulls, who still need somebody that could run the offense. Um, uh, the the Cavs have also been mentioned as a possible landing place at five. Although and they the don't Hawks need more well. cards. The Hawks as well. So, well, but this is an interesting thing, and we'll get into it more. If you look at the draft, the most interesting prospects, I think, are the point guards. And if you look at the free agency discussion, which we'll get to, a lot of rumors going on there, almost all of the fun stuff, point guards it's all point guards it used to be wings now it's point guards yeah i mean i think uh i texted michael about this but i think Lamelo is like the unifying force of not only our group chat but maybe the entire uh fantasy league that we're in with like all of the detroit pistons fans we have like if he winds up on the pistons i mean i think that'll just be everyone will be happy um, and I'll just be, you know, Definitely. I'll be rooting for LaMelo because I've been watching him since he was a kid, since he was, what, 14, 15 year old, 15 year old kid playing uh, varsity basketball in high school with his two brothers when they won a state <laughs> yeah. championship, you know, when he was pointing to the half court line and shooting from half court. So, um, yeah, like, you know, as fans, I think I'm obviously rooting for LaMelo because his game is exciting. And I think him hitting his peak outcome would just be a lot of fun to see. Um, So I'm rooting for that, and I'm happy to root for that in a Pistons uniform. Definitely, definitely. Me too. Uh, Any thoughts on, you know, I've found the talk around him sort of uh, curious in a a negative way. Um, There were reports, um, uh, correct me if I have this wrong, Jalen, this was in our thread, um, 
Uh, I think it was a sh it started with a Charlotte reporter who said the interviews hadn't uh, necessarily gone well for him. The Ringer picked that up and um, did some trashing of Lamelo on their own. Uh, it's been nice to see since then a few other reporters um, push back against that, and so they didn't really see how those interviews could have been that bad, or you know, really questioning sort of where this kind of criticism was coming from. Um, Windhorst uh, pushed back and get it against it and called the 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 criticism of, uh, criticism of the interviews bunk and then Rachel Nichols in the same um, broadcast also pushed back uh, in, in those terms. Um, at the same time, Winhurst also suggested that Lomelo could be sliding because of fit, um, not necessarily seen as a fit in many because of D'Angelo Russell already being there, and then the idea that the Warriors and Hornets are both looking for big men. Uh, any thoughts on that aspect? Or any of those yeah, aspects. So, <laughs> so this is definitely something that I wanted to talk about. And, like, I, I guess we can try not to get completely sidetracked with it. But, like, you know, I had a couple tweets about this online. And some people were, like, pushing back. I mean, I have no idea who these people were. And I'm, you know, not apt to really take their opinions too seriously. But I think, you know, if, for outsiders who are watching the conversation and maybe didn't understand, I think this is a good opportunity to sort of explain what I meant and explain what I was talking about. And so... You know, I just think that, like, the way we talk about uh, NBA, NFL draft prospects, leagues that are predominantly black, I think the way that we talk about these prospects is oftentimes um, influenced by race. I mean, uh, ESPN was just in trouble for pretty much putting up these weird um, traumatic experiences that the NFL uh, prospects had gone on uh, when they got drafted, like, Someone was drafted and said their their mother had battled um, drug addiction for 16 years, and that was sort of a fun fact that they were using in their graphics. Wow. Um, so, I mean, something like that, I think, is like, you know, of a piece or in conversation with like the weird sort of extra scrutiny and criticism of LaMelo, which is almost always um, said in these vague terms of like bad yeah. attitude or um, a lot of baggage or, you know, even sort of people just plainly saying like, yeah. um, you know, his dad is going to be a headache. And I'm just sort of like, so we're LaMelo's paying for the sins of his father. Um, and even that, even those conversations, you think about how people talk about someone like LeVar Ball and someone like Richard Williams, Serena and Venus's father. Um, and you just think about like, I just don't think we talk about this, about these sort of flawed reality TV star person same way when they're black like i mean trump is president right flawed <laughs> horrible person reality tv star but like i don't think cardi b could ever be president you know and that's my favorite example to go to but i just think broadly like that's that's kind of what i'm saying and i'm not i'm not saying people are saying blatantly racist things about Lamelo. i'm just saying that like the conversation around him i think is inevitably influenced by race it's influenced by like the idea of like what narratives we accept or we want, what narratives we want to see from athletes and black athletes, especially, you know, this idea of like a, a triumph narrative, right? You know, black athlete right. overcomes poverty and single parenthood to make it out and be successful. And LaMelo doesn't really fit that. Um, but you can certainly sort of like, you know, LeVar Ball being loud and sort of unquiet and existing in the public eye can like allow you to sort of frame him, frame LaMelo in conversation with, with all those sorts of things, right? So I think that's just like a thing I wanted to mention. And if you don't believe me, I mean, I guess here's two random examples, right? Friend of the pod, Louis Keen, uh, had a tweet recently, and he said, um, damn, the, the LaMelo ball hate is low-key intense. Like, there are issues with his character, question mark. People don't appreciate how insane it is that it, he made it this far. Also, Lonzo has created zero distractions in his NBA career. Any criticism is just yeah. from people who are afraid of the internet. So, I mean, that's uh, one example. It'll just If you want to take a completely yeah. neutral party, right, Daryl Morey prevented his staff, famously, from making um, same-race comparisons ahead of the draft and in trade talks. So, I mean, Daryl Morey, by doing that, is, like, admitting that, like, the comparisons we're making, the, the whole thinking about these athletes is sometimes influenced by race, influenced by the way they look. So, yeah, I mean, I just want to like sort of I just yeah. want people to think more critically about that, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. And like, you know, I, I want LaMelo to be successful because he's exciting, but I also want him to be successful because like it 
it like makes it invalidates some of those narratives or makes people sort of question them or think harder about them. Like we have to do more, right? Like if LaMelo fails, then people can just easily say he's like spoiled and like privileged, you know, the Lamborghini and being a reality TV star and all this. We don't really have to investigate anything. We can just, everything fits into these nice tidy narratives. So uh, yeah, that's another right. reason why I want LaMelo right. to succeed too. And I, I want more interesting narratives. I, I would love it. to see him beat this. All right, go Kyle. I was going to say, I think that's absolutely right. And I've been, I've been thinking all week. So the, the first reaction that I have when news comes out about the draft is to consider how it might affect not only the player, but the, the teams that want to select the player. So, you know, when news comes out about a player being, you know, having character problems or being undisciplined, sometimes it really just means that it's, other teams trying to poison the well in a way sure. to get the player to fall because they because they want that player right and so but you you have this like you have these like yeah, so you have these like do that <laughs> but that's the point is you have these double ambitions that are you know like you have these ambitions going on for the team and then you have these um you know, racially coded language that is being used to um, sort of, um, you know, advance that aim. And I think there's just not enough consideration for the second part of that in right. view of the first, right? That people sort of like put all the all their their efforts out into like creating these sort of like misinformation or sort of like well, you know deception cam campaigns, etc., and not consider how they're too. playing out. Yeah. The, the, you know, we're living in an age of misinformation now. And one of the things that happens here with a case like Lamello's is that is one of the first things we heard about how he was doing in these draft interviews, workouts, you know, any of that stuff. And it was picked up and repeated every, everywhere. I saw it on Twitter. I saw it picked up in multiple, um, you know, reports from different reporters. And this is how the misinformation this is how misinformation works. It's actually called the repetition effect. If you say it enough times, people are just going to believe it's true. And then the issue after that is you can't correct it. You can't correct it unless, as Jalen, you were saying, there's a new narrative and a better narrative and a more interesting narrative. That's the only thing that replaces these takes that you know people are sort of holding for LaMelo right now. Yeah, no, I think both of you are absolutely right. Like, I think it's pretty clear that some of these teams are just like sending up all kinds of smoke screens. I mean, you know, the the Warriors has have said that they like basically like 10 prospects. Like there's all the jokes on Twitter that the Warriors <laughs> like LaMelo Ball and your third cousin who has nice handles at eight years old. Like they're just saying they like every run, everyone. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of this is smoke screen. A lot of this is teams trying to get a player to fall. Um, and like, I think it's incumbent upon journalists to sort of admit that, which is not something that I would imagine they want to do, given that they're supposed to be the people who have this information and have like an inside source into the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they should kind of stop and think about the ways in which they might be giving, being given false information um, for people, uh, for people's personal gain, right. For the team's gain, but also just like, I think the, the way that like, the way that Brian Windhorse has talked about LaMelo falling in his draft was very different from the way that uh, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo talked about LaMelo yep. falling in this draft. And I just think that like, I mean, I, we, at this point we know who Bill Simmons is. I think he's more of an yeah. entertainer than um, like really, like he's not like a Zach Lowe type in when it comes to studying the game. Um, so I just think like, you know, he's doing it for likes and clicks, you know, as Kyrie sure. says. So, um, and he you know, got him. When, yeah, Windhorse has said LaMelo's <laughs> falling. So it's like they're probably talking to the same sources, right? Like whoever is saying he's falling, they both seem to be talking to them. But the way in which they're delivering that message has been completely different. And then I just think there's been a lot of pushback from people like Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmidt saying that like, Early on, there were like when the report about the interview not going well with Charlotte, um, he was like, LaMelo's done only one interview, and that was with Minnesota. <laughs> right. Like, so, right. like, this idea that he's doing poorly in interviews is not really real. He hadn't really worked out for anyone yet. So, it's just well, like, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in the air. And, you know, John Hollinger pointed this out where he was like, basically, this is the time where NBA insiders are most like fans because there's just 
news coming out so fast yeah. and even yeah. the people you trust you don't really know if they're giving you the the full story all the time so it's just like a crazy news time right now yeah yeah and i just want to say one of the things i did to to the, the uh, prepare for our pod today was to watch some of the highlights of some of the top guys in the nba draft you know probably the top 10 or so and to my eye Nobody plays like LaMelo. Nobody sees the game, feels the game, plays the game like LaMelo. He is in a different category, as far as I'm concerned, from everybody else in this draft. It's just, it's not even, like, if you're concerned about him in an interview, think of how well he understands this game. (laughs) Understand that he's going to get interviewed enough, you know, over the next few years. He's going to be really good in interviews. (laughs) Like, he's going to be fine in interviews if he can play basketball that way he's gonna be with that much flair swagger and just gamesmanship he's gonna be fine in interviews yeah and like i don't want to i don't want to get too caught up on this but like just just what rosillo said that Lamelo's not good at basketball when like the consensus is that he's like a basketball savant in terms of his passing and ball handling and his ability (laughs) to read the game i mean even the people who like say pretty plainly that he's awful on defense almost all of them to a man say that there's room for him to improve because of that basketball intelligence and because yep. of his ability to Without see the a floor. Doubt. so like i mean again like maybe we should just get into some of the actual like breakdown of the players like i'm not saying that there's no chance lamello falls like everyone to a man i think also says um that this is a weak draft right this is not trey young this is not zion uh, Williamson, you know, it's a different right. draft, but like, I think LaMelo has the highest upside. He certainly knows how to play the game. Um, so let's, let's, let's move on to the next presumed pick. A lot of people think Wiseman's going to the Warriors at two, presuming they hold the two. Do you guys like him there? I mean, this is interesting. So I don't know how much you all have watched the prospects, right? So like I've, I've watched LaMelo. I've watched, I've watched and I have an opinion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've watched like LaMelo. I watched the Mike Schmidt stuff with Halliburton, um, with Wiseman, with Okongwu. And a lot of people in the media I'm seeing like trusted, trusted draft Knicks are saying that they prefer Okongwu to Wiseman. Um, So, yeah, I mean, basically, I think that like this is this is the reality. All of the top prospects are flawed, right? Like if you believe in Wiseman, you believe he he can be a Rudy Gobert level defensive player. Like I think he's closer to being that or his ceiling is higher on that end, I think, than the offensive end, though he does seem to have like a decent stroke. Um, Okongwu is sort of smaller, so there's some doubts maybe about how physical he can be, how much he can guard the biggest fives because he's six nine. Um, you know, someone like Anthony Edwards is the super, super, super athlete, but yeah. like there's all these questions about his, um, his like competitiveness, his right. commitment to the defensive end. Um, and interestingly enough, like there are some shooting concerns with him as well. He didn't shoot the three well, shot the free throw well, but like inconsistency with a shot, which, you know, all normal things for young players. But yeah, what, what are you all feeling? What are you thinking about? Well, Wiseman? I just, you know, there's not a ton of highlights for Wiseman out there, but I watched what I could find and, um, I'm worried about him moving up. I'm worried about him playing against guys, his own size, finally. Like I like I don't see his game as we're seeing it in the highlights quite translating to what the NBA game is going to be, so I have some serious worries for him. I would be a little afraid to take him there, as great as an athlete as he is, and as great as some of those highlights are. Um, it just I didn't like how he moved. <laughs> I mean, my <laughs> biggest know. thing is just he doesn't fit the timeline for Steph and Clay and Draymond right now, and I think. Some people have said Toppin is the guy, the most NBA ready, and have even suggested the Warriors, you know, if they slide down, he would be the guy um, to to, to slot in there rather than Wiseman. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is just you know, do they trade? Um, Yeah, I think they want to. I think that's what all the smokescreen is for. Do they trade? And even maybe as a really interesting question, if they can't trade, who do they pick there? Is it Wiseman because they feel that he's a talent that they could then trade, that they could showcase and then trade during the season? You know, like there there are multiple ways that this could go. Um, and 
you know, there, there might be a flurry of action in the in the warrior. Uh, our warriors are able to get everything they want in trades before the draft, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. And you've got to draft a player and you know see where they're going, and then you know, sort of build them as an asset, and then trade them later. And they have a really marginal windows for that. Um, so, yeah, like all of, the the whole Warriors story for this year is pretty interesting to me, especially because for the first time in a long time, I don't hate them, um, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> Just because I mean, KD left? I, I'm kidding. There was there was never hate. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's the first time that I can feel kind of like unequivocally that uh, that I could really root for this team, root for my my guy, my Spartan Draymond again. Yeah, no, I think the argument for Wiseman to Golden State is if, like, people, I think, suggest that he has a really high floor, so, like, you know, he can be sort of just a rim runner, lob threat, and just sort of give them the size and athleticism they need to compete with, like, uh, big fives in the playoffs and things like that, but... I'm not sure. But can I he guess, do it as a rookie is the question. And they're going to really need it. Yes, that in a limited really. role, he's going to be fine there. Talking about like JaVale yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Anthony exactly. Davis. Can he guard, can he be in the game with, you know, JaVale or maybe if Dwight Howard comes back or maybe it's DeMarcus Cousins or whoever it is. But basically, <laughs> the really big Lakers type lineup, can he do it? Can yeah. or even maybe just a good you know as the the comparison Gobert can can he be in a playoff series against Gobert? I mean, I and, feel like AD eats him a lot. If like I, yeah. I, I don't know how he gets through that matchup without some really fast learning. And you have to remember, like he 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 doesn't only have to protect the rim, right? Like the Warriors do a lot of switching. Um, they might try yeah. and keep him out of switches, but like if you're playing against LeBron, he's gonna put you in switches. Like <laughs> it's right. it's gonna happen. So like you gotta be able to guard decently on switches, and I think that's the thing that Okongwu people believe is better at. Um, and I think that's part of uh, why he's you know ranked higher. But you talk about trades, Kyle. I mean. Uh, the, I think the most fun trade maybe is, you know, Drew Holiday, some package of Drew Holiday and stuff to the Warriors for the t- number two pick. And we reunite the Ball brothers and it becomes Chino Hills uh, in New Orleans, Chino Hills on Bourbon Street. Um, and, you know, they're just going to be throwing outlet passes, full court outlet passes to Zion like nonstop. I mean, that sounds fun to me. That would be awesome. I mean, that would require you're talking about. Lamelo going to going dropping yeah. going <laughs> second and then going over, yeah. I mean, it seems really implausible to me both ways. I <laughs> I've never. I mean, just just because I've never seen like I've heard the trade rumors about Drew going to the Warriors and I never really understood it. Um, I understand like Clay could you know guard up to the three, um, and that would be maybe the way that they they would do it, but. It um, I yeah, just, no, it's true. I, I don't see what the I don't see what the real advantage is for the Warriors to do that. And it, I, actually, with the way that the Western Conference has been going, you know, with for instance the Lakers, um, I do think that they need more size. Um, I really liked you know to talk about one of the trade options that we talked about before this, and maybe it's a little too early to get it out there in this discussion. But you know, the idea of Blake getting traded from the Pistons. Um, potentially to the Warriors was one of the places that was named um, for Wiggins like that, you know, provided that Blake looks good. Um, that seems would, to make a lot more sense to me on their timeline and kind of like yeah. with the positional needs that they have than what another guard does. Yeah. I feel like the problem is that the Warriors wouldn't, probably feel like they're selling low on the number two pick like this number two pick they know it's number two in the draft this is their best chance to find the next star or the next you know all-star or like one-time all-star or a really really good rotation piece um you know they have the minnesota's pick next year but it's top three protected and then it's unprotected the year after that so like They've got. I feel like they've got to really get this right. And the problem is there aren't that many. Like there aren't really that many threes out there who are free agents uh, who can really help them. So they're in a tough spot where like I, there just really isn't that much out there that like provides them like the defense and the like 
you know, potential offensive upside and shooting that they might want. But I mean, with Blake, they would certainly have a lot of shooting if, if his shooting continues to carry over this season between him, Steph and Clay, that's multiple guys. Steph and Clay are in the forties and Blake was, I think 36, 38%, something like that. The last time he, he was playing. So, I mean, they would definitely have more shooting and maybe, you know, maybe Blake's good enough to defend fours and, and then Draymond's at the five, I guess. So in the one thing I didn't mention there, and I want to pose it as a question, um, suppose that the Drew trade happens. Can Drew guard Paul George in a playoff series? Because um, I think that's what they would need him to do, right? They, I think in he order can for guard that PG. Situ- I don't think he can guard LeBron. I mean, PG <laughs> like, can't really well, dribble. I think you'll really handle think, PG I'm, too. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm only thinking about the Clippers because they have two big wings, right? Because they have Paul George and Kawhi. And so there's a situation there where you need these, you know, you need two, you know, plus, <laughs> better than plus wing defenders. And I, Drew just strikes me as, I mean, maybe – like I don't have the data for this, but like he just strikes me as too small to to really like He's you know, tough be effective. As hell, though, like yeah. I, I I don't mind him as an undersized defender. The way like I'll take Jimmy against you know He's, somebody who's six eight too. I mean Jimmy Butler. You know I don't. Yeah. There, there's a certain kind of guy I don't mind as an undersized defender. Um, I think Drew, Drew can get it done there. Um, He's definitely undersized, but like he, I think that's kind of been his role in New Orleans because like Lonzo's probably too small to guard threes and, and Ingram's not great on defense. So I think he has often guarded the bigger wings. Like he, he guarded LeBron when they played, like it didn't go great, but like, you know, he, I think, he's, I think he's capable of it. but like, okay, just, just for the like info that we have up here, like. I'm I'm looking at the Nate Duncan, uh, Danny Larue uh, spreadsheet of like free agent small forwards and uh, power forwards. So Gordon Hayward's got a player option that he would be nice, but like he costs a lot of money. Um, Otto Porter, nice option, but like how are you getting him? He's got a player option. Um, Joe Harris is probably going to stay in Brooklyn. Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder would be a good option for the Warriors, but I think most of these guys are going to be like. Oubre. Yeah, most about a lot. Yeah, most of these guys probably be like in-season trades or like um, their trade exception options. I'm not sure if these are like draft day trades. I think draft day you're you're trying to like really take a big swing. Um, So yeah. Before we leave the draft, any other picks either of you guys like, or anybody you like for a particular team? you know, Toppin's moving up the draft. Uh, people have uh, the Pistons given Patrick Williams a promise at seven if he's uh, still there. Um, you, you yeah, know, there's some interesting. Wrong, but I don't like that for for you as you two. I don't as either. As, as I don't Pistons either. Fans. That's that feels <laughs> like it's gonna. That feels like it could go wrong. Killian Hayes. A lot of people like Killian Hayes. I um, wish he could shoot better. Yeah, but, you know, good defender, good size. Yeah, definitely. Um, Great with the ball, nice playmaker, you know, all, all of that. Just not the shooting that I see with Halliburton. Yeah, Halliburton is really interesting because I think I think his shooting will transfer. He's got a funky shot, but it goes in, and I don't think yep. he's actually <laughs> going to have a problem with it. Uh, but if you watch the film of his pick and roll possessions, like just in the Mike Schmitz thing, he's not a great ball handler. Like he's often picking up his dribble a lot. So I think, you know, there's some divergence in opinion about whether or not he can actually be like a point guard in the pros, um, even a backup point guard. And so like, you know, uh, I think uh, Danny LaRue has said he thinks he's a two. Um, And so I I think some people believe he can, he can grow into that. Um, I feel like he plays at a slightly different speed and uh, like, he's just like a quarter step slower and there's this thing that but um i don't i liked it it looked effective to me in a lot of the highlights i saw um you you know not the greatest dribbler but i like he has incredible patience waiting for the pass to open up and Mm. the play to develop and um i think if isaac okoro could shoot he would be the perfect (laughs) person to both for the warriors and for the 
uh, the Hawks because he could play next to Trey Young. Uh, he could guard the better wings um, and, you know, protect Young that way. And he could do he could probably guard up for the Warriors. Um, and, but, yeah, just yeah. I think yeah. people are unsure about the shooting. But everything else, the athleticism, the toughness, right. the, the game is, is there. Definitely. Um, so let's let, let's move on to free agency. There are a ton of great rumors. And, you know, not even rumors. Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. Chris Paul is on the move somewhere. Uh, Drew Holiday's on the move. Eric Bledsoe's being talked about uh, everywhere. Victor Oladipo has asked other teams if he can play with him in the presence of his teammates. Apparently, they didn't like that. Um, the Mavericks are looking to upgrade their roster. Uh, Philly needs people. Maybe the Heat are looking for a sign and trade. What would you like to see? Free agency. What are your wishes? I want to ask you, who looks worse right now, Russell Westbrook or James Harden? Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I mean, we had this conversation before. What do you mean looks worse? I guess that's... I mean, at first, so, like, the, I think on the surface, the, the answer that everyone's saying because he's in the news right now is Russell Westbrook. But, like, how many people have come to Houston now... <laughs> and immediately left because because things didn't work out and and like and and Harden is putting up extraordinary numbers and I've actually defended him in a lot of contexts that got pretty uncomfortable because people don't seem to like Harden very much um, but I just I just think he's so much fun I actually really like Harden I like I like the way he just like the way he does everything I like I like even. The way he draws fouls, which I know people hate. I just I, think I he's, find he's a hard genius. to believe you like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm willing to accept it. It's I can like, see the watch, benefit of it, but I'm not going to like it. Just watch the <laughs> the, 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 the tactfulness and sort of genius yeah. of, of movement that he has to do these things. jabs, all that it's, stuff. It's, he has yeah, tremendous body control and tremendous situational awareness. and and though? Give me... I don't know. Give he's me like watching, Give me Hakeem Olajuwon. I'll watch he's like his watching a great Major League Baseball Hart. pitcher, right? Those <laughs> moments where the game slows down and every little motion matters. Every little placement of the ball matters. Every little placement of like where Harden's body is relative to his defender. It's it's fascinating stuff. But it, for it, all for all of it's my fun to watch to you, it's fun. It's fun when I can, it's fun. When, so yeah, I admit how hard it is, but I also really like that aspect of baseball and people don't. Yeah, I okay. like it. I like it when you let the game slow down and you're like, huh? Whoa. Yeah. Like yeah. that was happening where I didn't notice it was happening. Right. I, like, yeah, and no, Harden, is... Harden gives that to me all the time where I'm like, man, things are going so fast most of the time that I'm kind of like only looking at the sensational moments. And then you sort of like realize just the like minute, like, like tactical decisions Dude, that are going on. Did you love all those pictures for the 90, for the Atlanta Braves in the 90s? Oh, I, you love, loved I mean, Maddox. you know, that you weirdly the Atlanta Braves were my team in the 90s. I had an aunt <laughs> who, lived, who lived in the city and, and, um, and uh, she, as part of her job, um, got tickets to the games and brought me to some of them. And I got to see, you know, hometown, your high school, yeah, yeah. John Smoltz. Um, sure. Got to see him pitch down at the old Fulton County Stadium. Um, but no, no, we don't, we don't yeah, need to get into that. He was a power pitcher. He, like, yeah. he brought it. it was soon, yeah. like, it's a different it's kind Maddox of thing than watching one. Maddox. Maddox is the yeah. one that you usually point to and you say, that's the guy who, like, uses, you know, yeah. I mean, he pitches slower in general, but then he uses off speed in amazing ways. He so, uses placement as well as maybe any pitcher ever did. But any, anyway, like, we don't need to get into back, all. But let's hit the Harden thing. I think the issue here, you know, we keep talking about stars. I don't think it's the right construction around James Harden. The construction around James Harden is James Harden and pieces and role players and shooters and defenders. And like, it's not necessarily another star. You want shooters, you want more playmakers, but I don't think you want Russell Westbrook. 
I mean, I think I think I'm with Kyle. I feel like this is the point that Kyle was leading up to. I will say I like the James Harden as playoff baseball analogy because what you're talking about <laughs> is the definition of playoff baseball where everything slows down and every single moment, every inch becomes uh, extremely important. But I mean, I think the reality is like this is what I think I went on a rant about this last year on one of our pods. Like James Harden keeps telling us that he wants to win, right? And he's gotten steadily better on defense and things like that. But the the Houston Rockets defense is a switch everything defense largely for two reasons. One, James Harden is capable of guard of guarding NBA power forwards, which is not something that every point guard shooting guard can say. Um, so that's like a skill. Uh, two, he's completely unwilling or incapable to get over a screen, so they have to switch every time <laughs> someone sets a screen. So, like, he has warped the defense in his image, he's warped the offense in his image, obviously, and he keeps telling us he wants to win, but their best chance at winning came when Chris Paul was on the team. He shipped him out of town because he got yelled at too much or something because Chris Paul was annoying and a perfectionist or something. I don't know, right? We don't. Why really is have everybody a yelling at James Harden, though? Because Westbrook's yelling at him, too. Like, part of this was about the accountability that Harden wasn't willing to accept, which is essentially what Paul was saying. Yeah, I think th- I think that's my point. Like, I, I think this is my point. You can't, you can't look us in the face and tell us you want to win <laughs> if you keep sending away the people who are giving you the best chance to win. Chris Paul... And to cut to the chase, I love Chris Paul. And part of the whole reason I asked this question is because I believe in Chris, Chris Paul. Paul back and, to the Rockets. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be, that'd be bad for both at this point. I mean, like, that ship has sailed. It's sad in a way that that ship has sailed because 2018 was a perfect moment for them. And had he not gotten injured, I, w- I mean, we all lost by not being able to see the way that that series could have ended if Chris Paul didn't get injured. Right. We all know that that would have been did, but like that loss is also a part of James Harden's legacy. They were up double digits in the second half of both game six and game seven. Steph Curry scored three points. I think in the first half of game seven, that's when James Harden needs to be James Harden and figure out how to win that game. Like I understand sometimes his stats look good in closeout games, but just the impact is not there often. And you can watch the game and see that. And I'm just like, I'm just tired. I think like, I think Harden is at this point, like, maybe underrated like it's ridiculous he will drag (laughs) he will drag the rest of your sorry one one dimensional teammates to the playoffs because he's a brilliant offensive player but once he gets there i don't know what's gonna happen you're never really sure if he's gonna show up and he seems completely unwilling to like make the changes to his game to adjust to the physicality of postseason play the the fact that the foul calls dry up to the fact that defenses aren't going to just let him take a million step back threes which is what the Lakers did, you know, the the random double teams. Like it's like, what do you think's gonna happen? They're not just gonna let you do the same thing you've been doing. So I'm just tired. So, did, I'm tired so did I more. so did I set the trap right? Because <laughs> you guys led by saying that it was Westbrook that looked the worst, but from what I've heard, it might actually be hardened. It's definitely the hardened. way you frame the question, I still think the answer is Westbrook. I think they're both problematic here. I don't think anybody like this is far too harsh to say, and I can't think enough to qualify it right now. I don't think anybody wants Russell Westbrook on their team if they want to win a championship. I liked so Zach Lowe had <laughs> whoever mega fan and reporter of the Orlando Magic was on today who was saying that he really he wanted Kevin Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um on on the Magic. Um I like that. I actually like like the Magic are in a decade long rut. It's true. And you know Westbrook, Also the Hornets came up today as a I, I saw that one. And I was trying to figure out how that trade would work money wise. Yeah. I mean it would have to involve Rogier, right? I mean like Rogier is one of the highest played players on that team. Um they so, wouldn't mind letting him go. Yeah. So what would it be? Do you do you put in <laughs> you put in what? Or it could Rogier? be Batum. <laughs> Batum oh, has yes, a massive would, contract. You would have to yeah, to match. Yeah. 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 Actually, that could be good too if you're yeah, the Batum's if you're the Rockets and you really if if you're the Rockets and you really want to open up some salary space, Nick Batum would be a perfect way to do that. So some other big contracts since we've been Chris Paul to the Suns for Rubio and Ubre. Who likes it? Who hates it? Who does anybody say no to this one? 
I like it. I like it. The Suns like will be it. a lot of fun. Yeah. I like it. I liked, I actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a Sixers fan. Um, you know, since I moved to the East coast, I adopted them as my team and I will admit that, um, I have not dismissed any of the trade rumors about, um, Chris Paul potentially to, uh, the Sixers for, you know, usually it's talking about Horford and some other right. stuff to, to get it to work. And I like it. I like that idea. I would like to see him land somewhere where he could probably truly win. I'm not sure that's the Suns. I love Philly. I love the Heat uh, for Chris Paul. I love the Bucks for Chris Paul, if that uh, somehow were possible. The Heat will only yeah. do it if Giannis is no longer available. Yeah, the Heat aren't doing anything that's messing up their cap space for uh, next summer when Giannis are, is available. The Heat and the Raptors, I think, and the Mavericks, I think, are all three probably the front runners to sign Giannis if he decides to leave, but it does seem odd that the, so the no sign and trade for the get. heat this year. No, I don't think so. The they, Mavs, they, they might sign someone slightly over that. That's a salary that they can dump or figure out how to move to get Giannis, but there there's no way they're taking on Chris Paul's contract. The Mavericks were one of the first ones out there looking to quote, uh, upgrade their roster unquote you know, in any way possible, looking at Doncic, you know, win now, et cetera. Um, uh, and, and, you know, it, it would mean taking up space that sort of rules them out for Giannis. Um, they're talking about Dinwiddie, Levine, um, somebody else is a target there. I can't remember now. Um, mm. Do you like the Mavericks making that sort of move or should they be waiting? I think maybe with Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie, they can manage to trade for him and then still have enough room to sign Giannis. I, I'm not yeah. like positive on that, but I think Dinwiddie's yeah. contract is expiring soon. I, and I think it'd be um, Dorian Finney-Smith going out. That was a decent sized contract, and, and one of their other um, forwards. I can't remember who. Uh, th- th- there was a matching possibility. There if you're in the was. Western Conference, why would you want Dinwiddie over Dorian Finney-Smith? I mean, just just when I'm thinking about like, I mean, the Mavericks players. need another point guard. Like Doncic, like yeah. they need somebody else doing the play. Do they have enough wings though? I mean, but, when you're when you're talking about you know, like how how far can they expect to go if they don't have wings both, to deal with both, like, yeah. the very wing heavy Western Conference? Yeah, I think the problem really was their defense. Like, I think offensively they were fine between Doncic and uh, Porzingis when he's healthy shooting threes. Um, And just, like, the spacing that they're able to create, you know, with, uh, you know, Seth Curry um, and Hardaway Jr. So, I mean, I think really, like, wing defense is what they need more than anything. But, again, I don't know if that's available, uh, really. Like, it's, I don't know, this is not as exciting of a free agency class as the next one will be um you know christian wood what about christian wood are the are oh, the man, pistons gonna hope... pay up for christian wood or are they gonna let him go get away i mean that's what scares me about the the, the projections of small forwards and power forwards for the pistons at seven is this they're not going to keep christian wood i hope and hope they keep christian wood uh i i would love to see that i mean um, yeah. And they, I think Christian Wood has earned a lot. And from the Pistons' perspective, though, he may not be able to get it this offseason. And sure. like, they might just be incentivized to keep him no matter what because the contract, you know, total values, total costs yeah. for the team may not be what he would have gotten in a normal offseason. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how depressed his market is. I mean, I think the problem is that he's like you can very easily convince yourself that he's a rim protector and a stretch big, uh, which is rare to have both in one player. And, you know, we are talking about Charlotte. Charlotte is has been linked to Wiseman. Well, if Wiseman's gone and and they don't trade up to draft him, I got to think they're going to be putting in a decent offer or for Christian Wood. So he really just needs like a couple a couple offers to, I guess, to keep the Pistons honest. Sadly, I don't think it'll it'll happen. But Christian Wood next to Zion Williamson, that might be interesting. That's where he came yeah. from. 
I know. <laughs> I don't know why they let him go. But... <laughs> well, they had him, and he put up some monster numbers for a few weeks yeah. there, and then he was released, and it was just sort of like, yeah. I mean, he just produces everywhere he goes. He produces, and and both teams that what was it the. Did Milwaukee have him at one point and let him go? I feel like everyone who lets him go, I'm just, they've got to regret that decision. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's a bit of a stunner when you, I mean, when you watch him or you look at his stat line, it's 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 sort of hard to believe. Um, uh, one team I want to make sure we talk about, the Lakers, what are their moves going to be? A point I mean, guard? They want everything. Point they guard. They want Drew. They want, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. They want yeah, Chris I think Paul. they want anybody and everybody. Um, I mean, Lakers fans they think they're getting honest. What do they have to have? I think they need another point guard very badly. I mean, yeah. they could just re-sign Rondo, right? The Clippers are coming for him. Mm-hmm. I mean... There is uh, <laughs> word that the Clippers, yeah. I mean, the I just was looking, you know, CBS Sports Line is pro- projecting that the Lakers will draft our... Um, you know, Michigan State. Oh, oh Cassius? Point guard, Cassius Winston, yeah. Um, so, um, like, but he, you know, even if they did. I don't think that, that, he, that, 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 that doesn't tough, answer anything. Does that doesn't it? answer I mean, anything for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I would just, like, it just, it was literally on my screen. I thought I would yeah, mention it. Um, yeah, yeah. It doesn't Here's answer anything for him. I like him. I, I mean, he was, he was always really fun to watch. Um, but no, he's, he's not, um, Here's an interesting question: Would would the Clippers consider some kind of side and trade uh, for Montrez Harrell uh, and Christian Wood? Which which of first of all, which of those two players would you rather have for the next four to five years? And you know, do you think that would be a, an offer both teams would be interested in? I still want Christian Wood, but maybe it's just my fantasy bias because I, I have him. I want Christian Wood. Yeah, I no, I'm I'm talking as a Pistons fan. I don't want that. I mean, you're you're saying that that would be a signing trade? Um, yeah. I mean, I think they're actually. I think they're both unrestricted free agents, so they probably don't need to do that. Um, right. They could just sign with either team. But um, yeah, I mean, but would you rather happen. like as a Pistons fan? Would you have rather have Montrez or Christian Wood? Christian Wood. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> like, because there's more upside there. His defense. shooting, like, yeah. I, I, and I think Christian Wood's still learning the game. I think he's just going to get better and better on defense. I think those numbers are going to go he up. I think his re- rebounding numbers are going to go up. Like, I don't know. It's, if, it's if, experience. If Wood, I don't know if Wood can guard fours, but like, I kind of think I would prefer to have him if I'm the Clippers. Also, like. Can they just play him and Zubots together? You could. Yeah. I don't know if he can guard fours, but if he can, but, that sounds yeah. interesting. I don't know that they'd ever need to, but this is true. Conceivable. So, um, uh, and one of the other big questions out there is the Bucks. They're shopping poor Eric Bledsoe um, <laughs> to anybody who will listen. Um, what happens? I don't know. Do we actually think the Bucks are going to pay the tax? Or are they going to pay like? And they're getting tax relief this year also because if you're if you're over the tax, um, oh, you're it's right. going to be reduced based on how much the basketball related income is lost. So like, if the Bucks don't pay the tax this year, <laughs> they just like Giannis should be gone. He should just call them out for lying about being willing to pay the tax and make the team better because they essentially like got bounced out in the second round because they refused to pay the tax and traded Malcolm. <laughs> right. Right. And I, so I'm going to drop that part of the conversation and twist it back to the warriors because some people are hating the warriors right now because they're getting tax relief at a perfect time for them to be getting tax relief in the same way a few years ago, the thing that most animates Kyle hate Kyle's hate for the Warriors. <laughs> uh, there was a situation with the cap, et cetera, uh, that allowed them to bring in KD with some ease. Um, does that bother you at all this year, Kyle? That the no. Warriors are getting a big break on the tax now? No, the the KD thing was really unique, and um, it was a once in the NBA moment. And you know, you you had a seventy three win team. 
who were able to get the second best player in the NBA um, because of basically like a glitch in the collective bargaining agreement. And I thought it was nonsense. And I thought that it made the league worse. Um, I thought that it was, it was, to me, it was really insufferable to watch those couple seasons because they, they were such a foregone conclusion. We forget. But you the weren't Cavs, right. The Cavs Remember, were six, you weren't right, though. But like, the Cavs... We, you, you railed on the Warriors who, you know, it, the whole year you talked about they couldn't lose, and then they lost. You mean to the Raptors in that final season? Like, maybe. Yeah, but, you but, talked but, about it all season. <laughs> but let's go back. Let's go back to, to the seasons before when, you know, the Cavs come into... Which one is it? Is it the 2018 finals? And they come in with a like a 12 and one record um and and then they, they got get blown swept. out of the water and then they get swept because that is how absolutely you know <laughs> stratospherically out there the warriors were it it didn't make at least for me it didn't make for good seasons of watching basketball it, yeah, it was it was awful. It was actually it was cringeworthy throughout the season to have to deal with that eventuality, and that it, it that it collapsed. And like let's let's not forget here, the Warriors almost still won with KD going out and Clay being hobbled, and we're about to win that game six until you know K, in, until um Clay. You know, yeah, right. I mean, his right. ACL. Like, like that's how good they were. And yeah, I mean, and, you talk and they about could, and we all something. we all really thought that they could still win, even with KD gone and even with um, Clay hobbled. You know, and losing something, I think catastrophic things to happen. I think I think if Clay doesn't tear his ACL and they win that that game, it would have been really interesting to see how the rest of the series played out. Um, I guess it's just game seven. Uh, but I mean, I think the Raptors probably would still win, but I mean, it would have been very, very, very interesting and talk about like the legacies that would be on the line and like the history that could have been made. So, I mean, I, the only thing I'll say is that I think the Warriors, this is the case with any like super team or a team that goes to like a bunch of finals in a row. There are almost always like situations where they're pretty close to losing and things kind of falling apart. You know, they almost lose to the Rockets. Um, in was it 2016, 17 or 2017, 2018? Yeah. Um, then KD gets injured against the Rockets again, and they they managed to pull it out. Like so, I mean, there there were chances, right? The Rockets had their chance; they had multiple chances to knock them off. But yeah, no, it was kind of crazy. I think I forget which year it is. Uh, um, I I think it may have been the 2017. Uh, 2018 season where as you're saying this the Cavs were on fire and the Warriors just sort of walked all over them and I think to, to a player all of the Cavs people Cavs players and and front office and everyone says that was their best Cavs team like better than the team that won it in 2015 2016 and they yeah. just, just and, and can I just can I just like make very clear here like when you ask me that I very quickly and and this is my true opinion. I said, nope, this is not the same situation for the Warriors. Yeah. It's just not. No, like, it's not. Like I, it, it I was, was just curious it was a to historically that the, the... specific thing. I hope that I've made clear that I have a very specific argument about it. Mm. I had a very specific experience as a fan watching it. Um, and I still hate it. I still hate it in retrospect. But I don't hate the Warriors. And I have nothing against you know, Clay and Steph and Draymond. I actually really like that team. I liked them before. There was a moment though where a historical anomaly happened and I felt that I could do nothing but root against them until that, you know, rip rip in the space-time continuum of NBA basketball had been mended. Yeah, I mean, it's not a completely dissimilar situation, though. They, there is an advantage for the Warriors and other teams that are getting this tax relief. The Warriors will be adding, presumably, somebody uh, because of this. So they will be better because of this. It just won't be on the order it was, um, you know, a few years ago with KD. Um, so let's... Um, uh, 
let's go to some last words. Any um, wishes for the draft or free agency or what's your favorite jersey that's leaked yet so far? Those are my three last questions. Can you repeat the first two? So what, what do you most wish for the draft or free agency or what's your favorite jersey that's dropped? And about half of them have, have sort of leaked so far. Not all of them, but a couple interesting ones out there. I want the Pistons to be able to sell everything. I want. I'm yeah. willing. I'm willing. I'm willing to forego immediate pleasure until, whenever, if if it means that they get back on the track to being a contending team. I would love for them to give up every asset they have. Trade Blake. Trade Derrick Rose. Sign and trade Christian Wood if it puts you on a better timeline with whoever your assets are you're picking up. Would absolutely love to see that. My secondary wish is um, a point guard that can run that team so we can watch them play basketball as teams were maybe meant to play basketball. We haven't seen that in a little while. But um, if you actually want them to get really, really good, you might not want a point guard to be one of their early assets because uh, early, like yeah. Yeah. early asset point guards tend to, you know, this is what people often like read as the situation that happens to Chris Paul in New Orleans is that he comes there and actually makes them so good so fast that they don't get good draft positions you right. know in his early years and so they can't build around him and um and i think it, there's a little bit of truth to that i think that i think that point guards are you know that consequential and in the nba you really need more than one elite player to right. make it work yeah. And yeah, I mean, I have some hope that Christian Wood becomes that elite player. I have some hope that Seku gets there. Um, I like Zv, uh, who got more minutes last year because Kennard was hurt. I see some uh, nice possibilities and there. And Kennard, so they, too. There are Kennard, too. I also wouldn't mind if they traded Kennard for an asset, though. I, like, people are chasing Kennard. It could be a time to just flip that for something else. Um, I'm not sure he's quite on the timeline that they're on either. Um so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love all of that. I also just want to uh, call out the jerseys. If you haven't seen them, I encourage you to go look up the Milwaukee Vice t-shirt or the jersey, which is, you know, uh, 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 the, the, the Bucks jersey, but with some Miami Vice colors. But my favorite, and then another one I love. Is, is that just Jeff trying to prevent Giannis from going that's, to Miami? I mean, that's, that's the joke. I mean, that's, that, it's sort of, everybody's coming at him with that joke. Because you look at the colors and your first read is Miami, and then you're like, but there's a huge deer in the middle of that jersey. <laughs> so um, that, but two other great jerseys out there. The Nets have a Basquiat-inspired jersey it's going to be one of their city uh, i think it's their city edition and then my favorite my absolutely favorite is the phoenix suns the valley jerseys so um if you get a chance uh take a look at those um valley boys yeah yeah it's just like have you seen that one yeah i saw uh, i saw Ubre walking a horse in the jersey yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, so, modeling the jersey a key point in the video Ubre Ubre uh, models it um deandre ayton models it um who else mikhail bridges models it you know who doesn't model it devin booker not in oh, the video interesting <laughs> I don't think he's going to be in the Chris Paul trade, but uh, you know we'll file that away if <laughs> if he gets traded anytime soon. So, um, so yeah, I wanted to call those things out. Jalen, last wishes for free agency um, or the draft? Anything you want for the Heat oh. or the Warriors? I mean. I, obviously, it would be fun if Lamelo wound up on the Warriors. You know, it's, it would sort of be like uh, one of my favorite teams and favorite players in Steph Curry, along with like a guy I've been watching for a while. Um, I'd be happy, like I said, if Lamelo wound up on the Pistons. And I think I'm not like uh, obviously I'm not from the Midwest, uh, but I think the Pistons have a lot of fun players. So I'd be happy to join in rooting for the Pistons next year, especially if Lamelo's on the team uh, for the Heat. Uh, Giannis. Well, come come to Miami. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I want for the Heat. All right, the buck the Bucks trade him this season, getting all they can. 
that's an option or just like you know keep the keep the asset chest full Giannis, and wait and just leave in free <laughs> sure. agency and then right. uh, you know right. championship here we come uh, a couple other notes I want to get out there before we leave you on this episode. Uh, one of the members of our fantasy uh, league, Scorekeeper, Danielle Evans, has a new story collection. It's called The Office of Historical Corrections. And she does things with short stories that nobody else is doing with short stories. I encourage you to uh, check that out if you get a chance. And we've been talking a lot about LaMelo. Jalen wrote a great piece for Razball. If you don't read Razball, go check out Razball. They do some takes on fantasy and real uh, basketball that you're not going to find anywhere else. It's Lamelo. It's an epistolary piece. He's responding to the GMs about the interviews and other things. Um, so you might want to go check out that. And I believe that is it for this episode of The Shot Tower pod we are turning off the phantom power cheers to forego immediate pleasure until whenever. <laughs> <laughs>